This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. I'm going to be accused by some of you of getting preachy here, and and I might a little, but just bear with me. There's a story in the Associated Press, I've been meaning to talk about this, There's a story the Associated Press is running, and the headline is this. Conservatives go to red states and liberals go to blue as the country grows more polarized. Now, I'm going to have my finger on my mute button as I feel a sneeze coming on. (laughs) I'm sure you wanted to know. So this is the Associated Press. Nicholas Riccardi from Star, Idaho. Once he and his wife, Jennifer, moved to a Boise suburb last year, Tim Cole could finally express himself. Cole did what the couple never dared at their previous house outside Los Angeles. The newly retired Los Angeles police officer threw a U.S. flag and a thin blue line banner representing law enforcement outside his house. We were scared to put it up, Jennifer Cole acknowledged. But the Coles knew they had moved to the right place when neighbors complimented him on the display. Lee Dean is on the opposite end of the political spectrum, but she knows how the Coles feel. In Texas, Dean had been scared to fly an abortion rights banner outside her house. Around the time the Coles were house hunting in Idaho, she and her partner found a place in Denver where their LGBTQ plus pride flag flies above the banner in front of their house and proclaims abortion access is a community responsibility. One thing we have really found is a place to feel comfortable being ourselves, Dean said. Americans are segregating by their politics at a rapid clip, helping fuel the greatest divide between the states in modern history. One party controls the entire legislature in all but two states. In 28 states, the party in control has a supermajority in at least one legislative chamber, which means the majority party has so many lawmakers they can override a governor's veto. Not that that would be necessary in most cases, as only 10 states have governors of different parties than the one that controls the legislature. Now... This this is I, I want to paint a picture for you because they they do pictures of some of these people and it, it just it's fascinating to me 
how these people present themselves. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm kind of gobsmacked by it. So let, let me, let me, let me describe for you the pictures because this is radio and obviously uh, you can't see me here, but let, let me just describe this. This is Jennifer and Tim Cole pose for a picture in their front yard with an American flag and a thin blue line flag in star Idaho. This is a couple. He's balding. She's got long blonde hair. They're smiling. They're in Idaho. You got an American flag and underneath it, a, a uh, gray and white American flag with the thin blue line in the middle. The, the, the police flag a lot of people have. That's it. And they're the conservatives. They're flying the American flag. Then you have Kathleen Rickerson in a Denver suburb. Kathleen Rickerson works in human resources for a uh, Brett Weinstein, a realty firm. Rickerson lived in Minnesota for seven years, but during the pandemic grew weary of the blue state's vocal anti-masking, anti-vaccine minority. Rickerson's parents and sister urged her to join them in Texas, but she zeroed in on Colorado in a Denver suburb. Cheered by the state's strong stance to protect abortion rights, Rickerson wants Colorado Democrats to go further. But you got that? You got that? She was in Minnesota but grew weary of the anti the vocal anti-masking anti-vaccine minority there and so she decided to move to Colorado but the picture of her she's just a smiling woman in a kitchen that's it and then there's a flag a Trump 2024 flag flying out someone's home in in Idaho and then they show a picture of Aaron and Carrie Friesen they're in Boise Idaho they have three children who are not seen in the picture. They moved from Bluffton, South Carolina. They're in their backyard feeding chickens. You got that? And it's just a couple. Seems to be a happy couple. The pandemic pushed them to move to Idaho. When the pandemic hit, they realized they could take their marketing firm remote from near Hilton Head. They always wanted to move back west Aaron is from California, but they wanted to move west, so they settled in Idaho because they're conservative. Ah, you left South Carolina coast. Big mistake. And now lastly, this is this is why I do this. So so here here again, bear with me here. This this is this is the point. So the first picture is of this couple, retired police officer with his wife. They're standing in front of the American flag and the thin blue line flag. The second is this a liberal housewife realtor who's in her kitchen. The third is just of a Trump flag at someone's house. The fourth and the fifth, they're pictures of Aaron and Carrie Friesen. They've moved to Idaho. They're, the second picture of the wife is holding the chicken. They got their dog next to them. And the last picture is of Lee Dean, a native of the Texas panhandle who moved to Denver. She is wearing her I had an abortion t-shirt. And behind her is a rainbow flag and a sign that says abortion access is a community responsibility. Now, what I find notable about this story is you have two liberals and two conservatives 
But there's really only one person in the entire group who is all about her political identity. The purple and pink-haired woman wearing the I Had an Abortion t-shirt covered in tattoos with the rainbow flag and the abortion access as a community responsibility sign in her backyard. It's striking to me. You would never know the political leanings of Aaron and Carrie Friesen. You, you, you wouldn't know. They're just, in fact, if anything, you might think they're liberals because they're in the backyard with their chicken coop. Or of, of Kathleen Rickerson, who's outside of Denver, who's just smiling, looks perfectly normal and happy. You'd have no idea what her politics are. You might think suburban soccer mom, probably conservative, and she's not. And then there's Jennifer and Tim Cole. Okay, he's got the police flag flying. You suspect conservative. But that they're identified with the American flag. This one woman, though, has her abortion T-shirt on. Now, what, what is all this? But people are replacing religion with their politics. Instead of going to church, they're going to political rallies. Instead of living in communities with faithful believers, they're, they're moving to communities where people believe the same politically. Now, here's the thing. This is where I realize I can get a little bit preachy. I'm a real big believer in the advice in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah is the prophet, and he sends a letter from Jerusalem to the exiles. In fact, at the beginning of this, Jeremiah 29 says this is a te the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is the letter that Daniel, the prophet, is reading, where he realizes that uh, after 70 years, they'll be restored. But this is the advice, and this is the word of God. Jeremiah writes, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Y'all, That's some good advice, whether you're a religious person or not, whether you're a believer or not. The letter, by the way, is historic. We, we, we know this was written. We know it was delivered to the exiles who had been carried out of Jerusalem, which we know happened. And, and it, it, it purports, whether you're a believer or not, to be from God Almighty, the creator of all things. And, and what's his advice to these people who have been carried off in exile? It's to set up shop, set up, lay roots down. Literally, grow a garden, lay roots down, get, get get your kids married off, let them have kids, grow in number, be part of the community, 
and seek the welfare of the community in which you live because there you're going to find your welfare. I have no problem with people moving to areas of like interest. I think it's a good thing, actually. The downside is when the people of that area decide that they should be able to impose their values on everyone else. That becomes a problem. And the left and right each accuse each other of doing that. The left, however, comes into town. You know, I had this when I was in high school. Uh, We said a prayer at our graduation, and we had a local band teacher who was in Teach for America objected. I'll never forget it. I was in the office. Uh, Clarence Matthews was the name of the principal, and I was there. The guy's name was Bren or Bran or something like that. He was this young Teach for America teacher had come in to teach band, and he literally came in. I was I was working in the in the office, and and he objected to a prayer at our graduation. He objected. He said he didn't think it was right that the Supreme Court said we shouldn't be praying. He's a liberal poindextery type. And Clarence Matthews, the, the, the principal, looked at me and he says, Eric, would you look around the corner and see if you see any Supreme Court justices present? And I made a big show of it, said no. And he said, well, there's no one here to tell us we can't, so we will. And we did. It's that idea that the left is foisted on, that they're, they can be the ones to object. And, and if they want the drag queen, who cares about your community standards? you got to have the drag queen story hour. Uh, you should be able to take your kids to the drag queens. Listen, I don't have a problem if you live in a progressive area and you want to have drag queen story hour. I think it's wrong. I don't think you should expose your kids to it. But if you want to live in, in, in left-wing California, and do that, that's fine, but don't think it's acceptable in my community and don't bring it to my community where we don't find it acceptable and we should be able to respect your choice, but you also respect our choice. And that's the nature of federalism. But above all else, particularly if you're a conservative, if you're a conservative, wherever you are, you should be part of the community. And part of God's advice here is self-serving for the Jews in exile of you become part of the community. You become a responsible member of the community. You become a beloved member of the community who is seen to care for the community and to seek the welfare of the community. It's going to be really hard for people in the community to turn against you. And we are now in a point in time in this country where the left is out to get a lot of us. So if you seek the welfare of your community, you actually love your neighbors, you become a part of your community, an indisputable embedded part of the community, your family has roots there, you're growing there, it becomes harder for them to come get you. It becomes harder for them to come after you in your community because your community will take care of you as you've taken care of your community. It's just basic logic in that. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you think it's religious advice or not, it makes sense. What I just find notable is that so many people on the left now, they're, they're out of church and they've substituted church for other religious ceremony in the form of protest. And so here are these couples profiled by the Associated Press showing our nation is dividing up and we're moving to areas where we share political views. And that's not really a bad thing if done right. And we respect federalism and each other's ability to disagree. And we don't look at each other as evil because we disagree. But it's just notable that you can't tell anyone and their political persuasion by the pictures except for the progressive lesbian who's all about having abortions and she has just been co-opted by that view has allowed it to take her over and she expresses her religiosity of that secular religion in how she dresses what she wears the things she puts outside her house it's really notable 
how the left is embracing this secular religion and they want to shove it down the rest of our throats. I say no. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. There is some breaking news happening now. It appears that the uh, cocaine was in a much more secure place than previously disclosed. This is uh, the RNC just pushed out this clip from a conversation on MSNBC. Kelly, the big change is where this was found. And it was found, um, by my observation, in a much more secure place, limited access place, than that West Wing reception area. It's still a publicly trafficked, a frequently trafficked place, but it's down near the Situation Room, right off West Executive, down below. And normal people, just average people, just can't get in there, even with the entry from the Northwest Gate. Well, let me let me bring you up to date with the reporting that I have. What we have learned is that there are, in fact, two West Wing entrances. You know that. I know that. But for the benefit of our audience and now the investigation has progressed. And so they're saying the West executive entrance, which, as you noted, is closer to the Situation Room and closer uh, to uh, the Navy mess where there's the facilities for food and so forth. It is uh, also next to West Executive Drive. That's where, for example, the vice president's vehicle is parked. Kelly, the big oh okay now that is the area where those cubby holes are but this now does not appear to be an area where the cubby holes were fascinating uh the location changes here is the thing though i do continue to think if it's found in that general area it probably is not hunter biden's cocaine it is probably a staffer though who worked for the president of the united states which means there's a cokehead in the white house other than hunter biden we should figure out who the cokehead is. Now, the odds of it being Joe Biden's cocaine are slim to none. Um, dude never wakes up. Um, he'd be pretty amped up if he were on cocaine. He, we wouldn't be calling him Sleepy Joe. Um, so, But whose is it? May, is it Kamala's? Does this explain all of Kamala's bizarre statements about time? I mean, this is. I've been through that entrance at the White House myself. Um, and I know where the cubby holes are for the cell phones. It's near there, but not there. It's closer to where the situation room is. This is intriguing. Whose cocaine is it? Hello, it's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let me go to Mike. You're going to be up next, Mike. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. What's going on, Mike? Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, when I was listening to you and uh, Jamie Dimon, that um, clip on Jamie Dimon, it came to mind to me one thing that uh, he left out. I know it doesn't exactly correlate exactly to the uh, economic system, but it's our health care system. Um, I recently had a run-in with a table saw and um, lost part of my thumb. And um, I had to go to the ER. The local uh, people here said, you got to go to the ER. They took one look at it. And uh, could I name the facility where I went? I'll let you. Uh, I went to uh, UF, a brand-new hospital north in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, I was very stressed 
needless to say, when I went there. And uh, the way I was treated, the speed and the professionalism and everybody in there, the facility was beautiful, well-maintained. Um, after just a little bit of time, uh, when they started um, helping me, I felt very comfortable. And I had an epiphany while I was laying there and looking at the facility and just, you know, this is a country that produces only a country that is a phenomenal country could produce a phenomenal system like this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is no accident. I mean, from everything from the construction to the guys that built it, the design, um, the delivery people, the professional people that work there, this is a phenomenal country yeah you know mike i'm i'm glad to have you call in and and make that point i I appreciate it very much and i sympathize with your loss of part of your thumb having lost part of mine in a mandolin a while back um i i try to make this point to people when you hear all the the belly aching from progressives about our healthcare system in this country which absolutely isn't perfect but there is no perfect system they want a system, however, that serves more people not as well. So you get more people into a system and they don't pay, but they also don't get the quality of service where in our system, a lot of people f- from abroad come here for better service. They're not backlogged. They're not waiting. Uh, and I, I I bring up my wife in this situation. I, I mostly, I've got a lot of new listeners in the last month or so. We picked up a number of stations, uh, Connecticut and, and Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and I, I just, uh, let me just say this for those of you who are new. My wife's got stage four lung cancer. She was given two years to live six and a half years ago. And her cancer is genetic. There is no cure for her cancer. Um barring a miracle. And I mean, God's been good to us, but uh, she will eventually succumb to this. She takes a pill. It is a miracle of modern medicine. Essentially her cancer is genetic and her, her cancer comes from her body producing a protein that it should not produce. And it is converted by her body into malignant tumors in her lungs. And this medicine she takes, it's called Tegriso prevents the um, protein, therefore preventing the tumors from growing. And the medicine is supposed to last for two years, and she is a medical miracle. She's been on this medicine now for almost seven years, and it is still working for her. She literally, my wife did not believe she would make it to our daughter's high school graduation. And my daughter will be a senior this year, and we're doing the college stuff and the ACT test and all that. My wife is a part of all of it. She wants to be a part of every single last bit of it, and I am very blessed to have a job where she can stay home and spend her days with the kids. And we've got great insurance through my company, through WSB in Atlanta and Cox Media, and her medicine is exceedingly expensive. Uh, my most recurring nightmare is that somehow uh, my insurance changes and we can't afford her medicine that keeps her alive. I, I, y'all, I can't tell you how many times I have that um, that nightmare. And, but for now we do. And it's, I, for all the people who want to blast big pharma, big pharma is keeping my wife alive. 
And are, are they greedy for-profit companies? Yes. Do they do things that are wrong? Yes. Do they do a lot of good? Yes. Do they keep a lot of people alive? Yes, including my wife. The medical system and the ingenuity in this country are phenomenal. Now, you know what? Let me do this. Let me play this again because if you weren't here in the last hour and you didn't hear this, this is Jamie Diamond, uh, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, talking about the extraordinary nature of the United States. It's the other way around. America has the best hand ever dealt of any country on this planet today, ever. Okay, and Americans don't fully appreciate what I'm about to say. We have peaceful, wonderful neighbors in Canada and Mexico. We've got the biggest military barriers ever built called the Atlantic and the Pacific. We have all the food, water, and energy we will ever need. Okay, we have the best military on the planet, and we will for as long as we have the best economy. And if you're a liberal, listen closely to me in that one. Okay, because the Chinese would love to have our economy. We have the best universities on the planet. They're great ones elsewhere, but these are the best. We still educate, uh, you know, most of, most of the kids who start businesses around the world. We have a rule of law, which is exceptional. If you don't believe me, and we talk about Britain, Brazil, Russia, India, Venezuela, Argentina, uh, China, India. Believe me, it's not quite there. We have a, a magnificent work ethic. We have innovation from the core of our bones. You can ask anyone in this room, what can you do to be more productive? Ask your assistants, factory floors, we do it. It's not just the Steve Jobs, it's this broad death. We're the widest and deepest financial markets the world's ever seen, okay? And if you, I just made a list of these things, and maybe I missed something. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And we have it today. Yes, we have problems, but you know, when I hear people down, if you travel around the world, I mean, get an airplane, travel around the world and go to all these other countries and tell me what you think. Exactly. And I have, I've still been to more countries than states. We are the best country. Okay. And this, this pivot, I want to pivot from this to what I wanted to talk about earlier. I think that the Republican presidential candidates are not doing great, including the DeSantis team, for which a lot of people, myself included, had high hopes of being able to figure out a way around Donald Trump. And I think this from Jamie Dimon kind of encapsulates, and I put that on Twitter earlier, and a lot of people are like, man, this guy should run for president. Listen to him. And a lot of the people who are making that comment that Jamie Dimon should run for president based on this, these are people who they're kind of exhausted by the Republican primary. And we're not even to the primary period yet. They're they're just exhausted from the angst and the angriness of it. Uh, a lot of people who hedge their bets on DeSantis are like, well, where's the optimistic vision of America? Uh, can, can you get off of just being angry about the wokes and tell me what you're going to do for me? And my pocketbook, Tim Scott, I am noticing, is getting a lot of buzz from people who are pro-DeSantis, but they're like, this is a, the happy warrior message. And then there's the issue with Donald Trump. If the election were held tomorrow, Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. If the election, if the primaries were held tomorrow, Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. However, based on the same polling that shows us that, he will lose to Joe Biden. If you're going to take the one, you got to take the other. Same polling set. John Ellis is a political writer. He worked for George W. Bush, and he's been beating this drum for a while that uh, the message that's going to work to get past Donald Trump with Donald Trump supporters, all of whom say they're open to other candidates, 
But you've got to at least acknowledge the good Donald Trump did. Now, I, I will tell you, I'm not a fan of – y'all all know I'm not a fan of Trump's. I supported him in 2020. I didn't in 2016. I just wish he would go away because I don't think he can beat Joe Biden. But as much as I don't care for the guy, I don't hate him. I just don't care for him. But he did a lot of good in his presidency. We ended Roe v. Wade because of his judicial picks. We ended affirmative action because of his judicial picks. He revved up the economy before COVID to an unprecedented level because of his tax cuts. He put the American embassy in Jerusalem for the first time where it belonged. He assassinated Qasim Soleimani, and people said it would start a war, and it did not. It actually brought a lot of peace to the Middle East. It was President Trump who got the Abraham Accords done in the Middle East, bringing peace to the Middle East, something that John Kerry and Barack Obama and Joe Biden scoffed at Trump for proposing. Trump got it done. He did a lot of good. John Ellis writes, you got to be able to acknowledge the good that he did, but point out that it's we now need someone who can carry the ball forward with eight years, someone who can continue to deliver what Trump delivered without being him because the Democrats are going to anchor him down so that he can't win the general. But we also need something that Donald Trump has hit on, the goodness of people. You know, Donald Trump doesn't like the left. He attacks the left, but the people, I mean, as as Ellis points out, you go to a Trump rally, he spends his time beginning by applauding the crowd that's there by thanking them for coming, by recognizing their goodness. We are in a world right now where so many people, particularly on the left and at elite levels, have disdain for rural America. And that's the Trump stronghold because he loves those people and those people love him. You got the left wanting our farmers to ditch their their tractors for battery-powered vehicles. Donald Trump says he's going to ban the battery power vehicle. Of course you're going to go vote for Donald Trump for that. The problem is the shackling by the Democrats, these indictments against Trump, more are coming, the litigation, the hemorrhaging of money to fight them, to pay his lawyers. Someone's going to have to make that case. But beyond that, none of the candidates, with the possible exception of Tim Scott and, and, and Mike Pence to a degree, although his message isn't trickling as much, but where's the happy warrior defending the greatness of this country? Where is the person who explicitly loves this country running for president? I, I assumed and was led to believe the DeSantis campaign would make that pivot. The happy warrior, I'm going to fix the economy, we're going to do for moms and dads. We're going to guarantee parental rights. We're, we're going to we're going to be the people who champion uh, the greatness of this country and lead an economic revitalization of the country. I haven't really seen that. He's still on the border and the wokes. Tim Scott's doing it. He's picking up some buzz, but he's not accelerating significantly in the polls. And none of these guys have figured out a way around Donald Trump. And I think Ellis is onto something. You've got to praise him bow to him, and also make the case that he can't get over the hump in the general, so let somebody else carry on his message. And I think that would be persuasive to people. He will be the nominee, but if the same polling holds true that he'll be the nominee, he can't beat Biden. But, I mean, I just don't see anyone else out there 
that anyone is super enthusiastic for, with the exception of Tim Scott, but he's only got 5 to 7% of the polls. And the DeSantis people love him, but there's more and more muttering of dissatisfaction behind the scenes. If, if there's a story out there that I think should be told right now, I'm on a lot of listservs and email groups. And so many of my friends are pro-DeSantis, and they thought, this is the guy. Look at what he's done in Florida. And a lot of them are just muttering right now, what the hell is wrong with this campaign? Whether they want to, A lot of them want to blame Jeff Rowe, who's, who's running the outside super PAC. Others just think the message is, is they're so into, into fight mode that they're not into to, uh, praise America mode. Everybody wants to do their own diagnostic, but there's a real problem with the DeSantis campaign uh, in the perspective of a lot of people whose emails – I get and whose list serves and group chats I'm on, but I don't see any of the Republican candidates out there running a message like what Jamie Dimon articulated, that we are the best and we can continue to be the best. Decline is a choice and we choose not to decline. Where is that message? We need that happy warrior message and we don't seem to have it. And I am deeply, deeply frustrated right now with the state of play. And, and I'll tell you, it, look, it is my bias and I'm open with you and you can feel free to disagree. I, I, I believe the polling that if the election were tomorrow, Trump would be the nominee, but I believe the rest of the polling too, that he can't beat Joe Biden. He's about the only one who can't. And I think we got to beat Joe Biden. We've got to be, but Clarence Thomas and Sam Lito are not getting any younger. This election really does matter. I don't think it's the end of America if we lose it, but I think if he's the nominee, more likely than not, we do lose. And I don't want to lose this election. Well, we've got some interesting fundraising numbers. Uh, Donald Trump in the 12 weeks of the second quarter raised $35 million. Uh, DeSantis raised $20 million in six weeks. Um, so DeSantis fundraising strong. He's got over $100 million in a super PAC. He seems like the fundraising guy and the record guy to beat Trump, but he's, he's not connecting with people. Uh, Scott is connecting with people. And Pence has a message. The problem for Pence is he's really controversial between the never Trump people and the always Trump people. Um, and so I don't I don't know that um, you can do that. Now, you know, this is interesting. Uh, we got a listener who emailed. There you go again with your lies. You claim a poll as Trump losing to Brandon as if the poll was recent, taken today or yesterday, yet you failed to cite the author of the poll or the date it was taken. You lie to suit your never Trump agenda. This is the problem in dealing with some of the members of, of a cult, and not every Trump supporter is in the cult, but some are, uh, literally, uh, with the exception of like two polls from pollsters I've never heard of, every major media poll out there and the Real Clear Politics polling average, uh, which is kind of the gold standard for polling averages, has uh, Biden beating Trump. It's an impressive denialism when it comes to uh, that in the general election matchups, Depending on where you actually are, um, it, I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm pulling up right here. Um, you've got, well, among registered voters now, actually, you've got a tied race between Trump and Biden. But NBC is Biden up four, Emerson Biden up one, Yahoo News Biden up four. These are all in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the, but The Economist now has Trump up four. Uh, the more interesting aspect here, though is the overall polling trends where when you put in, for example, a, a uh, DeSantis or you put in even a Tim Scott or someone, now Tim Scott has a lower name ID than DeSantis, you've actually got them with higher margins. Uh, so where do you go with this? I mean, the data still does hold up that Trump has a worse outcome 
overall than any other Republican against Biden. Now, to his credit, in the updated Real Clear Politics average right now, it's Trump is six-tenths of a point ahead of Biden. Uh, you go over to 538, though, and look at those polling averages, and he's still behind. Who do you go with? Everybody has their own facts. But I will tell you, I do think it bears out with the public opinion polling right now in this country that Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And those same polls have Trump losing to Joe Biden. And I don't think that means he's going to lose, but I do think it's going to be a more resource-intensive fight for him to win against Joe Biden because how does he bring independent voters, particularly suburban voters, back to his side, having lost those people in 2020? He didn't lose, or he wasn't stolen in 2020. He lost. So how, how do you how do you make this change? And I don't know how he does. Um, a fresher face moving forward, I think, would be ultimately better. Uh, at the same time, you do have Joe Biden, who has a 40% approval rating, which is lower than Donald Trump's approval rating in 2020 when he lost to Biden. But the other candidates aren't clicking. None of them are, which means it's probably going to be Trump. And if it's Trump, I think most Republicans rally. The problem is the same polling averages show about 13% of uh, Republicans would go for Biden. Now, I'm getting all these Trumps where seeing the polling, the polling, the polling. Y'all, I say all the time it's the trends, it's not the number. And the trends are the consistent number. And before you say, what about 2022? Remember, in 2022, it turns out the media polling were the ones showing the Democrats surging. It was the Republican polls that were lying to us. It was the Republican pollsters that got it wrong. Right now, it's not about polling, though. But Trump's probably going to be the nominee because of what the polling shows. Should we discount that polling too? That's the problem we're dealing with. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.